Hello and welcome or welcome back to the Fast Forward podcast. I'm your host Mina and for each episode I sit down and talk about the latest TV show or film release or anything that I've personally recently watched that I either really enjoyed or I really hated and I need to warn others from watching it too. It's actually New Year's Eve today so I hope you all have a wonderful happy new year and great things will be filled for all of you. But to get started with today's episode, I will be covering the film Midsummer. I told you that I want to go to that festival in Sweden. No, you said it would be cool to go. Yeah, and then I got the opportunity and I decided Look, I to do it. I don't mind you going, I just wish you would have told me, that's all. Now, this has been out for quite a while. I think it was released back in July of this year, so it's not technically a recent or the latest film release but I watched it last week and there was so much stuff that I could possibly talk about that I knew that I had to make an episode on it. I feel a lot more prepared for this episode. I did a lot of research not only into the movie itself but the history behind some of the concepts that the director chose to portray in the film so I'm very excited to get into this one. The film was distributed by A24 Films and A24 Films is an independent film company. They've produced and distributed some really good films before. Two that I personally really enjoyed watching were Ex Machina and Room. I remember I did film essays on both of these movies back in media for A-levels, I think it was. So A24 films are known for having or doing really good movies. So of course Midsummer is also an indie film with a budget of around 8 to 10 million dollars. It actually went on to making four times that amount with 41.1 million dollars at the box office. So it did really well actually. After watching this film I have found my new favourite actress and her name is Florence Pugh who some of you may have heard or seen the name being thrown around. She's actually playing Amy in Little Women which I really want to go see as well. She plays the character that we follow around the most who the story is mostly based on and she actually won an award for this film. It's called the Virtuoso Award at the Santa Barbara International Film Festival. The film also stars Will Powter from We're the Millers and William Jackson Harper who plays Chidi from The Good Place. So we have some quite well-known names in the film and it also holds an approval rating of 83% based on the number of 342 reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. Directed by Ari Aster who also was the director of an indie film called Hadishery and that did really well. Whilst I was researching for Midsummer. Obviously, her dishery was mentioned a lot and all I saw was praise for it. So Ari Aster is known for doing quite well with these indie horror movies, I'd say. Midsummer is also a folk horror movie and this will be the second time that I've actually mentioned director Jordan Peele on my podcast. But whilst I was researching about this film, I found that Jordan Peele said that the disturbing imagery in this film is the most disturbing he has seen and it's probably the most iconic pagan film in his opinion as well. What do you think? It's like another world. Tomorrow's a big day. Is it scary? What is it? It has special properties. 
The film follows a group of three friends plus one of the guy's girlfriend who all travel to Sweden together to visit this rural commune that another one of their friends actually belongs to. It's a very small, close-knit community in like this massive field, and so they all go together to celebrate the Midsummer Festival, which occurs every 90 years. The couple that we do see in the film, so the the main storyline, essentially, they're on the verge of breaking up. They've got quite a strained relationship, and throughout their time in Sweden, violent and disturbing things or disturbing rituals take place that reveals the commune to be a pagan cult. It's worth to note that despite this being a horror film, it's a very different take on horror, and what I mean by this is that in most horror films, things happen in the dark at night time. We all grow up at some point having a fear of the dark, but in this film most of the horrific things we see taking place actually take place during the day, and there aren't that many scenes of nightfall either. It's all happening in a big open space in comparison to small confined areas that seem more frightening, and it's also a huge group of people that belong to all ages and both genders. Florence Pugh plays the character of Danny, who is a mentally unstable character whose sister we see kill herself and her parents through carbon monoxide, and after this event Danny's mental health becomes far worse, as you could imagine, and we find that Danny's boyfriend can't take any more of her. He is consumed by the negativity, so he's been distancing himself as a result from her, but due to the tragic events that happened in her life, he feels too bad to leave. He feels obligated to stay, get her through this, even though he is still subconsciously distancing himself, and I think that this is a situation that many couples may find themselves in, where one doesn't want to be in the relationship, but something's going on and they feel too bad, too sorry to leave the person, they don't want to make things worse for the other person, but what do you think? Do you think staying, despite not wanting to, is the right thing, or do you think you should just get it over and done with, and that way it won't lead to more hurt afterwards? I'm not sure. We also see that his two friends they are also urging him to dump Danny, but surprisingly they all leave for Sweden together. As I said before, they're going to Sweden, or to this commune in Sweden, to, to watch the Midsummer Festival begin. Now, Midsummer is an actual festival in Sweden, so to give you some background information behind this festival, it's a time for the Swedish to reconnect with the agrarian heritage, I think I'm saying that right, and this takes place during the summertime. The date for next year's Midsummer Festival is Wednesday the 24th of June. This festival marks the second biggest celebration in Sweden after Christmas. It was developed from a Christian holiday for John the Baptist and the agrarian heritage refers to the group of tangible and intangible natural and cultural properties generated and used from farming activity throughout history, so agriculture basically. That definition I got there, I took from the agrarian heritage definition, characterization and degree of representation on the UNESCO framework by Jose Castillo Ruz and Cecilia Martinez Yanez if anybody's looking for more information on that. During these festivities, 
There is a maple, which is this huge pole that they put in different parks and different areas. And this is in the film as well where we see the pagans all dancing around, and this is used in the actual summer festival, but it originates from Germany. It does have a peculiar shape to it, but as far as I know, there is no explanation, behind its shape, but I did find that due to its slight resemblance to a phallic symbol, many people believed that it was to celebrate fertility. And also, just like the film depicts, Midsummer is full of green garland and flower decorations that people dance around. The plant element derives from the belief that they actually possess magical powers or abilities during the nighttime, and this was also the time that people believe the supernatural beings in this world are at their most active. So people use plants to heal and predict their future. What usually happens during the Midsummer Festival, you have the event starting around noontime with friends and family all gathering together, going to a park to have a picnic, and they dance around the maypole. The opening dance is done by a group of people who were all in the traditional attire, and then other people slowly start to join in as well. Then later on, there's a feast that you would have on Christmas Day, so you have pretty similar food, and during the night, it's filled with drinking and games, but there's also this tradition of collecting flowers to place under your pillow on the eve of Midsummer, which many believe or many say will lead you to dream about your true love. The Swedish during this time are known for drinking too much during the event, but there is also use of psychedelic drugs as well. This is also prominent in the film and it's the very first thing that the group do after arriving to the commune and whilst I was reading reviews of this movie many did say that the drug trip that the group have is very realistic to what actually happens. They're ever so slightly disorientated, they're not seeing overly wild and crazy things happening before their very own eyes. It's very realistic and very true to what happens in the real world. When the group of Americans, I guess you'd call them outsiders or foreigners, when they all arrive to this commune, they're greeted by some of the members of the cult and they also see two other foreigners joining them as well and they're British, I believe. These two British people are a couple that have come together, recruited by someone else in the commune or cult and they're taken away and we see a love story being depicted on these sheets that seem to be hung up to dry outside and this love story basically shows a woman feeding her love interest food that contains pubic hair, her pubic hair, as well as following that up with a drink that is mixed with her urine and that's the love story I suppose. It's a pretty obvious moment of foreshadowing what is to happen to somebody later on in the movie. It was like a panning movement from the camera showing these different stages of the story but it's so graphic at the same time and you know immediately what it is that the woman's doing in the story. It's interesting actually because I found that the pubic hair love potion was an actual spell that was used during the medieval times. This is the only information I could find, this supposed love potion, and it's 
a somewhat nod to the fact that in Sweden during the Midsummer Festival because everyone's happy, everyone's having a good time, a lot of people end up sleeping together and apparently March 22nd, so nine months after Midsummer, was the day with the most babies being born at one time or one point in time for Sweden, which is quite interesting. There are certain scenes whilst watching that I thought were quite odd, so you have every moment of their feasts that they show, if they're ever eating, or even just sitting down, they sit in this weird formation or layout that kind of prevents people from facing each other, and this may be some sort of a way to make people feel isolated, especially the foreigners. I mean, they're coming into something that's completely unknown to them and completely unfamiliar with them, and this also follows up with this fact on IMBD. So there is Swedish dialogue in the film, but when I was watching it, there were no subtitles and I was confused for a while, but apparently the Swedish dialogue isn't subtitled to add to that sense of complete isolation. And this is in the audience, so we feel more isolated that way because we don't understand what's going on. So we are in the shoes of the foreigners because they don't understand and we don't understand what's going on. Throughout their time at this cult, they witness some rituals taking place and the very first one they see that shocks them and concerns them is the scene where all the oldest people I assume of the cult around the age of 72 they actually kill themselves by jumping off of the top of a cliff and it's first the elderly woman who jumps off and as a result her skull gets crushed and it's all this mangled mess and then the elderly man follows up with this but he actually survives the fall so some of the members of the cult come at him with a this thing that looks like a bat I think and they start crushing his skull till he dies as well and of course to the outsiders this is completely abnormal and barbaric you don't see that happening in normal civilizations so the two British couple start arguing and saying this shouldn't be happening and they want to leave and Danny is close to having a mental breakdown and then as they walk back to the main part of the camp she walks off by herself because she knows that she's gonna have a panic attack almost and she starts hyperventilating and crying and telling herself to shut up and to stop this. We just need to acclimate. I don't want to acclimate, I want to go. Absolutely not. What's happening? That ritual has history in ancient European paganism. Some background behind this ritual, it's known as senicide, and senicide is the ritualized practice of suicide amongst the elderly, and it can be self-inflicted where they do it themselves, or it can be assisted from the help of family members, which is kind of what happens in the movie where some of the other members go to kill the elderly man after he survives the fall. I found that a tribe originating from East Germany during the periods of 400 to 800 CE, this tribe were called the Heruli, and they practiced senicide by having the aged person stand by a stack of wood whilst they would stab them to death and after that they set them on fire. It can also be found in many other tribes and societies or cultures and after reading different articles and books, the most well-known 
culture that does this is a southern state of Tamil Nadu in India, and even though it is an illegal practice, it apparently happens hundreds of times yearly. Historians today have an agreed on consensus where they don't think that this senicide ritual happened in Sweden, so this is just something that Ari Aster found from other places of the world or other, other periods of time that he decided to put into this, this cult as well. As this is the Midsummer Festival filled with garlands and flowers, the movie has a lot of beautiful imagery with the greenery and also the murals, even down to what everyone wears in this cult. It's white, everything that they wear, with flower crowns, and all of this imagery or all of this misunseen kind of connotes to purity and innocence, but it's in complete juxtaposition of the barbaric rituals that take place, and we see them all willingly perform on each other, and I think it's showing that cults like these, or groups in society, will try and blindsight us from what's really going on by putting up aesthetically pleasing imagery and things like that. You could also say that they're trying to blindsight us through how Pele treats Danny, and this is even before they go to Sweden. You see him having conversation with Danny, whilst the other two friends are completely ignoring her, they walk out, her boyfriend walks out to talk to one of his other friends, and he sits there really listening to her and giving her his condolences to her loss and trying to help her in some sort of way, but it's all just a trick to lure her in, basically. You see, throughout the time at the cult, once they reach Sweden, he continues to treat her incredibly nicely and is seen saying she's the one that he wanted to come and he's really happy that she came. He doesn't give a reason behind why he wanted her to come, he just says that he's happy to to know that she's here. Afterwards, we begin seeing the deaths of the outsiders one by one happening. We don't necessarily see them happening, in fact, it's very much so implied that they're dead. I believe the first death is Simon's, and Christian discovers him where he's hanging from the ceiling and his body has been opened up in to what looks like an eagle sort of position. This ritual is known as blood eagle. It's an execution method and it's described as showing the demonic sides and the fantasism of Norse paganism. So I believe it was carried out by Vikings and they'd have the victim's backs sliced open so that it exposed their internal organs and then the bones would be pulled out to put into a shape of wings, and it was a torture method that the Vikings used when they invaded towns, and they did this in the name of their god Odin. They believed it to be a sacrifice to their god, as Odin was the Norse god of war, and it was used on the honourless individuals who would be defeated in battle, or for those who were the slayer of a man's father. I also read that the victims were kept alive throughout this entire procedure. So, to go into the specific method, it's rather graphic just to warn you, the hands and legs would be tied to stop the victim from making any sudden movements or from even escaping. They would then be stabbed from the tailbone upwards to towards their ribcage and from there their ribs would be separated from 
the backbone using an axe and this is what exposed the internal organs. To add further pain, the Vikings would supposedly rub salt into the wound as well and finally the lungs would be pulled out so that it looked like the victim had a pair of wings spread out. The earliest account of this method is estimated to be around 867. The written accounts of this method didn't come around until the late 1200s and scholars believed that the Vikings would scratch as hard as they could into the back of the victim to make out a shape of an eagle rather than trying to deform the body into an eagle. But because the pagans didn't write memoirs, there are no direct accounts, so we do have to take this with a grain of salt. Since historians still, historians still debate whether it was an actual execution method that, that the Vikings used or whether it was just some sort of rumour that was going around to horrify the Vikings even more. And for anyone who wants to read up more on the Blood Eagle ritual, I believe it's a book but I couldn't find the name of the book, I just know the chapter name and it is Viking Atrocity and Skaldic Verse, The Rite of Blood Eagle. Throughout the time of their stay in Sweden, we see Danny having hallucinations of being one with the earth where elements of the earth are combining or they're joined up with her body and this is essentially foreshadowing the decision that she makes at the end of the movie to join the cult as their May Queen. So we see one scene where she looks down towards her feet and the grass or roots are growing up her legs, things like that and then we see in this flower dress, this massive floral gown with the crown as well. I found this other fact, I believe, on IMBD as well. Neither Danny or Christian actually speak for the last 25 minutes of the film, and they are the last two left. And there is, of course, the infamous mating scene where Christian is drugged to mate with one of the girls from the cult, and this is to bring outside genes into their cult so that it's not all just based, or it's not all from ancestral relationships. This mating scene, it's not just him and the girl, but this whole other group of girls who are all chanting and huffing and puffing with him as well and trying to get the movement right between the two. This group mating scene doesn't derive from anywhere specifically, it's actually Aster's, so the director's own idea, and what happens to Christian in the end. Danny actually witnesses this happening and it completely breaks her heart and it's like it's her last straw essentially, it's the last straw that she has and she starts hyperventilating and crying hysterically and I think from that moment that's when she decides to actually accept the cult and join it and we see that throughout the film Danny is constantly apologising to Christian and she feels alone in her sorrow because nobody truly understands how she feels or what she's going through. But towards the end of the film, after seeing Christian mating with one of the girls, she's again brought to that feeling of being distraught and broken and once she starts hysterically crying, the other pagan girls begin to imitate her so they start crying and hyperventilating just like she does and she accepts the cult at this point because they shared her pain with her because they reacted the same way they were crying with her she thought that she finally had a home and a family to go to who knew how she felt she didn't feel alone anymore and her feelings were validated so 
After accepting to join the cult, she becomes their May Queen, and the last ritual that happens during Midsummer is a final sacrifice, and Danny has, has to pick between Christian or a member of the cult to sacrifice, and now that she's in the cult, she's of course going to pick Christian, and Christian becomes the Christian that's killed by the pagans, and this is an idea I found, I believe, on IMBD again, and there is conflict between paganism and Christianity, as paganism is considered to have been an imminent religion, so in paganism what is considered to be sacred is within this world, it's on this earth, whereas with Christianity it's a transcendent religion that places anything sacred to be external of this world, so that's of course God, and so that's where the conflict lies, but Christian is killed by the pagans. He's actually put into a bear, so they kill a bear and take out all of its organs and they place Christian into the bear skin, and this stuffing ritual refers back to the bear skins, who were also known as berserkers, and people back then used to believe that that you would be immune from fire if you wore a bear skin, which is interesting because Danny picks him to be sacrificed and the other outsiders that were murdered and the two elderly, they're all put into this little tent that is set on fire and Christian is in there with the bear skin, but of course he's not immune to the fire because he burns with everyone else as well. <laughs> most excited for you to come. And with that, that marks the end of today's episode. I hope you enjoyed listening to the explanation and history behind some of the rituals that were put into the making of this film. And if you haven't seen the movie already, I highly recommend doing so. Be warned, it is of course quite gory and disturbing, so maybe go with someone or watch it with someone, rather someone that you can lean into if it becomes too much. 